Hello, thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. We have Gianna Belcastro of the Women's Sports Matter Podcast on to talk all about NWSL. But before we get to that, I have a quick couple of favors to ask of you. First, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Also, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We read out any five-star reviews, so if you want a free shout-out, there you go. And lastly, check out the link down below to watch our live stream of the Canada-U.S. men's national team game happening this Sunday. We want to see a lot of you guys there watching along with us. I think it'll be a lot of fun, so check that out. And if you want more details about that, head to our Twitter at Final Third Show. All right, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It is Thursday. It is our deep dive episode. As always, my name is AJ Tabura. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm a fan of West Ham United, Minnesota United, and the U.S. national teams. As always, I'm joined uh, by Jack, who's back at home for for now. Uh, We're going to be back in on campus in a little bit, but we're back remote right now. Jack, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. And as always, I'm a Chelsea fan, Minnesota United fan, Atalanta fan, and fan of the French and U.S. national teams. Yes, yes. And we are here talking about the NWSL, all things women's soccer, with our special guest, host of the Women's Sports Matter podcast, Gianna Belcastro. Gianna, how are you doing on this fine? We're recording this on Tuesday. How are you doing on this Tuesday afternoon? I'm doing pretty well. Um, Got to go to work after this, but ah. I love my job. I, I get to work at a minor league, well, minor league, independent baseball team. Um, So that's fun. Our season's ending and then, you know, I'm in school right now, but it's going pretty well. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, which uh, baseball team is that? It's the King County Cougars. Um, They used to be affiliated with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they got dropped by Major League Baseball last Ah, year. So now we're independent league in the American Association. Well, Gianna, we're so glad to have you on the show. We have a couple of warm-up questions for you because we want to get to know you, your podcast, your history with soccer. So are you ready for three warm-up questions here? Absolutely. All right. First question, you know, we ask this to get to know our guests, get our listeners to uh, get to know the real you, I suppose. This first question, we asked everybody, how did you get into soccer? How did you become a fan of uh, women's soccer or just soccer in general? Fun fact, I used to hate soccer. And when I mean Ah. hate soccer, like absolutely despise soccer. Um. And there's a funny story with this. So when I was little, maybe like fourth grade, summer of fourth grade, summer of fifth grade, um, I was at like a summer school type thing and it was recess time. And I decided that I was going to be goalie. It wasn't like a, like an actual goal behind us, like a set of cones. And, you know, you just stand in front of there kind of thing. And the ball was coming towards me and I was kind of like in the goalie type position and the dude kicked it, kicked the ball into my face. And so ever since that moment on, I was like, I am never going to play soccer. I'm never going to watch soccer. <laughs> I hate soccer so much. Um, but flash forward to my freshman year of high school. This was like springtime or winter time. I just got done playing basketball. And I was recalling that 
you know, my school wouldn't let me try out for the baseball team because that was something that I wanted to do. It was like a private Catholic school. So they're like, no, you can play softball. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to do that. And so I was telling my friend at lunch one day, like, oh, I think I want to try soccer out. Like, I don't like it, but just to see. So she texted her friend who then texted me, got me to tryouts. I liked it. My first year came back uh, my sophomore year of high school and I played goalie. I was starting goalie for JV. Yeah. So that's how I got into soccer. And ever since then, it's been like uh, my first team I started rooting for was Chelsea and then Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars. I do like Minnesota United. Um, So I go loons. Yeah, (laughs) I'm a fan of them. Um, yeah, ever since then, it's been like, I love soccer, the women's world cup and the men's world cup, uh, was helpful with that too. Seeing all those different kinds of players, euros. I liked watch some Olympic women's soccer, mm-hmm. really disappointed. When that was, <laughs> I'm glad that it, when it all came down to who won gold, I'm glad it was in Sweden. I feel like yeah. that was everyone's feeling like, okay, the U S is in the bronze medal match. Cool go Canada, Um, at least on this side of the world. But yeah, that's a little bit about uh, my love for soccer and my former hatred. That's, that's very, very funny. Going off that a little bit. uh, Second question we have here is who's your favorite women's soccer player, or you can also uh, put in your men's uh, soccer player favorites there too. But like, who is that one uh, girl or guy that you look towards and you're like, that is like my favorite player. I, I always love watching them play. Like, who is that for you? So my first, when I first started watching Chelsea, it was because of Aiden Hazard. Um, okay, nice. That's how I became a Chelsea fan. But for women's soccer, it has to definitely be Sam Kerr, um, who's the captain of the Australian women's national team. Too I'm many also, Chelsea fans here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, ever since the World Cup in 2019, that's definitely was like, oh my God like Sam freaking Kerr, like she is everything. Um, And then I found out that she played for the Chicago Red Stars. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And so I started following them. And then when she was um, rumored to be moving away from Chicago, I was like, oh my God, where's she going to go? I hope it's like not a Houston or North Carolina. It ends up being Chelsea. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. But it's rumored that she's going to be leaving Chelsea after this season. So we're going to see about that. But definitely Aiden Hazard and Sam Kerr. Nice. Well, Jack, you're smiling there. I'm guessing Sam Kerr is also your favorite women's soccer player. Yes. Yes. Sam Kerr is my favorite women's soccer player. She is incredible. Like she she was incredible for Chelsea last season, even though they, we didn't win the uh, champions league on the women's side. Like she was still incredible. Like in every single game, she always seems to give like 110%. She, she was awesome in the Olympics for Australia. Like I, she's just an awesome player. I don't know what else I can say. All right. Well, ah, too many Chelsea fans, too many Chelsea (laughs) fans. That's okay. That's okay. Well, going back to the U S women's national team, this is kind of a, I guess a deeper question, but when we talk about growing women's soccer, would you rather have the U S women's national team their dominance continue over like other national teams and over like the world cup, or would you be okay sacrificing some of the U S women's national team's success? If it meant that other national teams began to grow and challenge and uh, parity among all the national teams were to increase. 
if, if think, you catch my drift. Yeah, the, the problem with the U.S. Women's National Team and something that I haven't like had a chance to talk about on my own show is the fact that they play these up-and-coming teams in their friendly matches, mm-hmm. and they don't play like the Netherlands or Sweden or Spain. They play like um, Nigeria or Portugal or um, South Korea. Like, it's not... They're not giving themselves a chance to grow like on their own and they're hurting the other nations by doing these really, really easy, friendly matches. So you get what I'm saying with that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that, that bothers me a little bit when it comes to the U.S. women's national team. Like I wish when they did friendlies, it would be like the Canada's and Sweden, uh, Germany, Germany is yeah. always a fun time. Any yeah. any team in like that area of Europe, always a good time. Always. Yeah. So, so you, you, we'd rather have them play World Cup challengers than beat up these smaller minnows and kind of like, you know, set them back a little bit. Yeah. Do you remember in the World Cup when their first match was against like Thailand, Thailand or something? And it was like thirteen yeah. zero. Yeah, that was a that was a wild time. That's the kind of friendly they put like. I remember watching a friendly between them and Belgium and they beat Belgium like 12, nothing. Yeah. So that's the problem with the U S women's national team is they, they don't send up friendlies to prepare themselves enough to go to these bigger tournaments. And then you see things like what happened in the Olympics. Although the Olympic roster is something that I, I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, oh yeah, of course. But Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. You, you passed the test. Those are our, our three warm-up questions. Let's get into some women's soccer and WSL talk. Jack, I'll let you kick it off with uh, the first question. Yeah, well, let's just go right to the basics of NWSL, or maybe not so basic, but which teams do you think are most likely to win the NWSL title this year? Because we're getting towards the, uh, the tail end of the, the NWSL season, it seems. So, uh, yeah, what what uh, what teams are looking good, do you think? This season has been really interesting for me. I've been able to watch a few matches. I don't have Paramount Plus. Um, that's just not another expense that I want right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, a college people understand this. Like, yep. We're already spending money on books and whatever, but I, I catch a few games on Twitch, catch a few games on uh, CBS Sports Network. But um, the biggest surprise of this year is Orlando Pride because last year they were like last place and now they're in fourth. I feel like that needs some explanation somehow. I like it's one of the most like mind blowing things of this season. Obviously, Kansas City last place. Utah was never good. That doesn't mean Kansas City is going to be good um, because they moved from Utah to Kansas City this year. If anyone didn't know that. But um, in, in terms of title contenders, I remember in 2019, North Carolina beat Chicago like three or four nothing, which was totally upsetting for me. Um, I don't think Chicago are contenders this year. Um, they have some work to do. I don't, as a Chicago fan, I, I'm going to limit myself from talking out of hand. But in, in terms of contenders, we saw a really, really, really exciting match yesterday between OL Reign and Portland Thorns. And those are my top two. I can't pick. It's either one of those two. And if it's another team, surprise, I that's my top two for sure. You've uh, kind of gotten into this, led into this part, I guess, but what are those two teams doing that really sets them apart from the other teams? If, if you've noticed anything in particular, 
I don't know what happened to O.L. Reign, but ever since Laura Harvey came in as coach or was um, they were told that Laura Harvey was coming in as coach, that someone flipped the switch. They had like, they brought in a coach last year from a French team. I think it was the former coach of PSG or OL. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and he was like a bad dude. So when once they got rid of him, they were like, okay, we got this. I'm assuming the morale went up and whatever. Um, Megan Rapino came back to the team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen the likes of Bethany Balker, who's been phenomenal. I think it's her third season in the NWSL and she's proving that she belongs. She went to a NAIA school um, and was undrafted. So it, it comes to show like players like her can come into the league and, and do just fine. She's fourth in the golden boot race, I believe with six goals on the year. So she's been an, an instrumental part uh, for OL. They also brought in people from OL in France on loan. They brought in the goalkeeper, uh, maybe an attacking midfielder, Eugene Le Sommer. They brought her in. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Portland, they have so many, like, in, in terms of star power, it's Portland with many different U.S. women's national team players, Christine Sinclair. Um, she's also a huge part of um, the equation of Portland. So that's how they got to my top two. Nice, nice. Well, you mentioned some players there. So I, I got to ask, like, who are some of the standout players that you're looking at throughout this entire season? Because we have a, a three-way tie for the golden boot. Like, who, who in your mind has been the best players this season? Ashlyn Harris, um, goalkeeper of Orlando Pride, has been outstanding. She is the now the top, um, the top saver uh, in NWSL history with 469 oh, wow. saves. Wow. And that happened last night against Gotham, I believe. So I, she's definitely my standout for this season. Sydney uh, LaRue, who's a striker for Orlando, Bethany Balker for OL. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think here who else has been uh, Kaylin Sheridan of Gotham goalkeeper, just one gold in Tokyo. Who else? I don't know why I'm stumped now. I had this like whole thing in my head and now it's just like (laughs) it decided to leave my brain. Oh, Sarah Gordon of Chicago is always good. She's always consistent. Don't have a problem with her. And Mal Pugh is um, up and coming. Yep. She's like recovering from injury and she's also on the Red Stars. Um, So keep your eyes peeled out with her being on the U.S. Women's National Team again, especially within the next few years. And I wouldn't be surprised if she was a part of the World Cup or the Olympic roster coming up yeah well i mean we we've talked a little bit about nwsl now but let's move on a little bit into the the near future i guess uh with talking a little bit about angel city and san diego because angel city fc they they've had a a pretty big start i guess you could say signing former gotham fc head coach freya coom just signed star u.s women's national team player Kristen press as their first player and have a very star-studded list of owners, including Mia Hamm, uh, Serena Williams, Natalie Portman, Becky G, James Corden. To draw a parallel to MLS, it seems like they're taking almost an Atlanta or LAFC route to building a brand, spend big, and hopefully win. 
but do you think they'll actually be successful or is this all just a bunch of smoke that they're trying to put up into the league? I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, when the idea of Angel City FC came out, I was excited. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, mm, okay, you have all these like big time owners, you know, different athletes, comedians, um, Hollywood stars. And it was like, well, now I don't feel so good about like wanting to root for them. <laughs> then they signed Kristen Press. And that day I bought a shirt. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have a Tobin Heath um, Portland Thorn shirt and I don't have that much NWSL merch, which I really should have. But um, I ordered the Kristen Press white shirt. It's got the Angel City logo on it and everything like that. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Angel City is going into a market that women's sports market that already exists, you know, with the LA Sparks being there and everything Mm -hmm. like that. I'm really worried about San Diego. They're playing at a college their first season or maybe first two seasons, um, University of San Diego. So that's one thing that's like, ooh, like in the past, some teams have done that too. The Red Stars used to play at Benedictine University, which is like 20 minutes from my house. Um, But they moved to SeatGeek a while back, like maybe five, six years ago. So the location is kind of like, oh my God, I don't know how I feel about that. Angel City FC is at, um, uh, what is it called? Bank of Bank California, California State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're already like, they already have such a phenomenal soccer environment to play in already, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm really worried about San Diego in terms of everything else. They have Casey Stoney. That's awesome. They have Jill Ellis as team president. That's also awesome. But can they bring in the people? That's my thing. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, San Diego was supposed to be the Sacramento expansion team, but they got moved. Do you think if maybe they were in Sacramento or up in uh, Northern California, it would be a better situation for them? Because right now I'm looking at two SoCal expansion teams and being like, is there like enough space that first year to build up hype? Like, do you think Sacramento would have been more successful? I don't think so because it's Sacramento. Like when you think of Sacramento, what do you think of? You think of the Kings and you think of it being the state capital of California. You're not right. going to think of, oh, that's a place where an NWSL team is. You know, if they if they were doing maybe like a San Jose or I, I don't know, somewhere else in California, maybe. But Sacramento already was going to be a rough start. And I'm glad that they didn't have it there i'm more okay with it being in in san diego okay and in terms of angel city without really knowing the players or the general like vibe of the team do you think that they could be a playoff team given the amount of investment that is going into this nwsl team because personally i i i'm not familiar with how nwsl expansion teams do their first year do you think the expectations are to make playoffs? Yes, because they're in Los Angeles. Right. So what happened, what's going to happen in December is they're going to have the expansion, dra- expansion draft. And I watched the Louisville expansion draft last year. And that's how Kristen Press and Tobin Heath got their NWSL rights to Louisville. Um, and that's how Louisville traded them to Angel City. But um, that's a fun thing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I highly recommend... Uh, for people to watch it because it's cool to see like how these front office try to build their teams with a limited amount of players player. uh, The NWSL teams get to 
make a protected list and a non-protected list. There's only a certain amount of uh, U.S. women's national team players. And I think that also huh. includes the Canadian women's national team players if they're, um, they have the allocation for that. Because mm-hmm. the league allows Canada and the U.S. to pay for the NWSL wages. So I don't know if Canada's included in that list. Last year, I remember it was the U.S., but that doesn't matter. This year, it's two teams instead of one. So now you have to make this list really, really carefully because now two teams can uh, get your players. So, and then there's, there's of course, you know, the trade that happened with Louisville. They're protected from Angel City FC, but not from San Diego. So that's where it's kind of like, oh, are they going to trade Tobin Heath to San Diego so they can get their roster protected again? I have no idea. Wow. So it looks like the expansion season that's coming up upon us is going to be very interesting for both Angel City FC and San Diego as they you know, start to make their run towards hopefully a successful uh, inaugural season for them. Uh, but with that out of the way, let's talk about some off the field stuff going with NWSL, because if anyone that has been paying attention to NWSL in these last couple of months, they know that there's just a crap ton of controversy, a crap ton of yes. news coming out. So, you know, let's talk about that. Let's first talk about the Washington spirit because a big talking point for good reason is the ousting of Washington former now Washington spirit head coach, Richie Burke, uh, Kaya McCullough and other former players of his spoke out against his, you know, frankly, abusive, misogynistic, racist, and homophobic comments that he'd make towards them and other players. And obviously I'm not going to read any out. I'm not going to read out any of his comments, but, you know, we could obviously say that they were abhorrent, but just right off the bat, what were your initial reactions uh, from hearing this news that came out these past couple of weeks? So when the news came out that he was stepping down, like this is the the initial post, like, oh, he's sick. He's taking time off from Mm -hmm. the spirit. And then he's going to come back to work in the front office. I was like, he's sick. Okay. I, I guess like, get well soon it was it wasn't like oh my god he's sick i hope he gets better it's like i don't know how i feel about this because i never liked him in the first place and the fact that he's sick and that but he's going to be moved to the front office and it was like this whole thing and i think this this happened like during the day maybe like a noonish type thing that it was released and so at 11 or 12 that night I see a tweet from Meg Linehan, who's like the woes of uh, yeah, women's yeah. soccer. Yeah. And it said that he was, um, I believe he was ousted out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, what? I thought he was sick. Like, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, I thought he was sick and he was going to be in the front office. And now you're telling me he's fired? Like, what happened? The NWSL has a problem with transparency and I'll touch back on that later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that happened. And I, I texted to my cousin, who's also a big woman soccer fan. And I was like, what the hell is going on with Washington? And then I go to bed, I wake up and I see the, the tweet from Kaya. And then I see the Washington post article. I was like, okay, what in the world is it? Like, I already knew that he was a bad dude. And I already knew like from her, that 
what was happening there was was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. I didn't know the stuff he did in the past. I didn't even know like that some spirit players wanted to leave or did leave because of him. And I'm kind of thinking like that the Rose Lavelle trade for her NWSL rights to OL when she was at Man City could have been kind of like that. Maybe that's what I was thinking when I was reading about that. But it was just so mind blowing that now they take the time to, to, to talk about this. It was it was upsetting. That that was my reaction for that. Obviously, the, it, it was not good stuff that he said. It was terrible, really. But uh, moving even further into this situation. We have reports that Steve Baldwin, one of the owners of the Spirit, knew full well from parents of players, the players themselves, and other leaders within the club that Burke was an abusive person, yet he defended him. And when Michelle Kane, a former owner of the Spirit, called him out, he dug his heels into the ground and refused to sell the team. So what does the NWSL need to do in order to ensure that another Burke situation doesn't happen again? I think that the whole, like, NWSL front office needs to go through some changes and I've been wanting to make an episode like on my podcast about this too but I've been Mm -hmm. trying to like think about it more clearly like so I don't know if you remember but with the WNBA how they used to have their commissioner was the former leader of Time's Up and then she stepped down that whole organization by the way is also like one of those I thought you were a good thing, but it actually turned out to be a really, really bad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then they hired um, uh, Kathy Engelbert as their commissioner, and she's been doing some awesome stuff. The thing with Lisa Baird is we thought that she was going to be cool, too. But transparency within the past, I don't know, three months has been God awful. The thing with Gotham FC and Alyssa LeHue, we have no idea what happened there yet. We've oh, been yeah. waiting. I completely forgot about People that. forget. So I'm still like, yeah, what in the world is happening? <laughs> and then we have the, the coaching situation with Gotham. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? I thought she was going to stay through the whole season. We know that she was hired by Angel City FC, but why? Why are you letting her go right away? I'm glad Scott Parkinson got the job, by the way. He came on my podcast. Once. He's uh, so, he's such a good guy. What a good guy. I'm a fan of that coaching staff. Um, and I'm glad that they did that, but still. And then the thing with Washington, it's just transparency is something that the NWSL doesn't have. And it's it just, it gets on my nerves. Like I'm getting frustrated talking about it right now. Like, I think Lisa Baird needs to go. And that may be an unpopular opinion, but that's just how I feel about it right now. Unless they want to like step up and try to be what, they're trying to be like the WNBA in terms of transparency and like, I don't know. Their players are are super, super good at like being able to express their opinions. But with the NWSL and the thing that happened in Houston in the beginning of the season, like mm-hmm. Scott Parkinson got fined for speaking out against what happened. And I think that Alyssa Hugh also got fined for that. So it's like, what in the world? Like Lisa Baird needs to go. That's that's my final answer on that one. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's definitely a disconnect between you know, what the, what the NWSL, I feel like tr- sometimes tries to market themselves as, which is like, you know, this very progressive women's league. Yeah. At the same time, kind of buries the hatchet with all these different, uh, different controversies that happen. So do you think like if Lisa Baird goes, if some of the other NWSL front office goes, do, do you like really think that that could lead to the substantial change that the WNBA has seen as well. 
Well, it depends who they bring in. Like right. my perfect replacement for this league would be someone that either played in the NWSL or played on like a women's national team anywhere and knows what it's like to be in these leagues and to be underappreciated and undervalued and, and to come in and to step up and be like, we are going to be transparent. I've been in your shoes. I'm going to handle this. Well, going off that a little bit, when we're talking about, you know, undervalued, underappreciated, the NWSL, on top of all of the other controversies, they're right now in the midst of their first union contract negotiation. Like they are in the middle of uh, a, a labor rights dispute with the league. And after eight years of the NWSL, you know, they've all seen great growth in terms of quality of play, in terms of the revenue that they're bringing in, in terms of player quality of life. Yet still, and I, I, I bet you could speak more to this as well. Many NWSL players still have to pick up side hustles. They ha- have to have multiple roommates and be frugal with their money overall in order to get by. You know, even with, uh, I, th- I think they get free housing, health insurance, a travel per diem, and childcare. Is is that correct? I think so. Yeah, the housing thing has been an issue too. Okay. Um, especially with a few teams like North Carolina. Um. I think it happened with Houston too, where it was this whole thing, but that, that kind of stuff is, is fixed now, but they of course have gotten better, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah. Well, exactly. Cause oh, I've done some research on the overall salary and overall compensation for these teams, even with all of those like bonuses, I suppose the minimum salary earners in NWSL, when you like really, add all their benefits together and their base salary, most of them are still earning around $40,000, $50,000 with those bonuses. So, and, and that's tiny compared to, you know, pro athletes in MLS even, and then end up NBA. So why are these NWSL salaries so low and what can be done to get these NWSL players more sustainable wages that they deserve? Well, first they have to go through the CBA thing and all the union stuff, um, which I, I have to do some reading up about that. I've seen the thing about the no hashtag no side hustles, which mm-hmm. has been shared by various players throughout the league. I, I did a report in my junior year of high school uh, in between pay disparities for the NBA and WNBA. And the the thing that I found the most shocking, and this was like in, in 2018, um, the the NBA's minimum salary is like eight hundred thirty eight thousand dollars. That was at that time, and I believe the minimum for the WNBA was like thirty five thousand. And was like, yeah. So we've got a, a league with a hundred forty four players that can make that much, but you have bench warmers that never see floor minutes make that much money. I, the thing with the NWSL is it's such a new league. They're so new. Of course, they're going to have like these low wages. I wouldn't expect it to increase in a while. And I, and I blame the league for that. Um, That's why a lot of, a lot of people play overseas um, in, in their off season and maybe just in general because they pay more and that's the same thing with the WNBA too. It all starts with the league and how they treat their players. Um, of course that you need to sell tickets and merch and whatnot, but 
I'm blaming the league again. <laughs> yeah, because uh, what we're seeing is, right, the NWSL is getting more corporate sponsors, like some big money uh, corporate sponsors, corporate companies to support the league. And yet it almost seems like that money isn't trickling down to the players. So you mentioned like the league doing more to support and help its players. Is this an issue of the league not giving them their fair share or is it just the league not marketing enough to get those new fans to support those players? I don't know the numbers in terms of like, you know, how much money do they get for their jersey or for their merch? But I'm going to go back to my report that I did in 2018. None of the WNBA athletes received any of the money from their merch sales. So jersey sales, um, T-shirt sales, anything like that. I don't know if that's the case with the NWSL. I'm sure it's not. Um, I hope it's not. But when, when I read that, I was like, I thought that they did. Like, it's, it's automatically assumed. So I don't even know if they even get their own merch shares. So that, that's the kind of thing that happens within these leagues. It's, it's way different from the men's side. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, we have a couple more questions here. Uh, Jack, why don't you take it away with maybe the future of NWSL moving forward? Yeah, well, we've had a few questions about some of the negatives with NWSL in recent months. So there is some good news, obviously, with NWSL, because yesterday, as of recording this, I, I believe OL Rain versus Portland Thorns drew 27,000 fans or a little bit over that as well, which is the largest for any NWSL match in, in history. And TV numbers are up across the board. More famous celebrities like uh, Naomi Osaka are investing in the growing league, but the NWSL isn't without its limitations. There's labor, pay disputes, clubs always in a state of instability, a moment's notice from folding or relocating, and the NWSL still has a ways to go in terms of becoming relevant in America. But what can the NWSL do to grow as a league on and off the pitch besides, you know, so some of the leadership changes that you were talking about earlier. I want to go back to the, the attendance record. Uh, so that was previously set by Portland, I believe, and they play at Providence Park in mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon. Um, so that match yesterday between OL and Portland was at Lumen Field in Seattle. Um, OL Rain used to play in Seattle, but they now play in Tacoma, Washington, that in a stadium that only seats like 7,000 people. So they went to play at a football field. And the problem with that is that they're playing in a different city, in a bigger city, in a double header game. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. why they got the um, the people to go there because it was at Lumen Field in a bigger stadium and a well-known place in Seattle, Washington for a, the beginner of a double header, which was them and then uh, Timbers and Sounders. So right. that's why that happened. And it yeah. makes me upset a little bit because it's like, well, okay. Like, I guess you get that yeah. one. But Portland already had it. Like, Portland is probably on the, the best track than any other NWSL team because they play at Providence Park and they have this great relationship with the Timbers. And I believe by, they're owned by the same people. Um, yeah. That's just the best place to be in soccer. And they're, they're the example that everyone should follow. And I, in terms of like leadership there, that's, that's the best place to be. 
at least I think so right now. I haven't heard anything bad about it, <laughs> but I hope <laughs> that goes along the lines of like your question. Everyone follow Portland. Like they're the best example. Follow what they're doing. Steal some of their players, I guess. I don't know. Well, going off that, we do have some other like MLS club and uh, NWSL club similar ownership, right? We have Orlando pride, Houston dash, uh, Louisville, uh, which is with a uh, Louisville city in the USL championship. Would you be more open to more clubs doing stuff like that? Like if Minnesota got an NWSL team, they share ownership with uh, Minnesota United, or are you more in support of independent NWSL teams? I would agree that it should be the two teams if we didn't see what happened between the original Kansas city team and sporting Kansas city, right? Cause their relationship is not so great. And they wouldn't even let Kansas city use their field this year. And their relationship has just never been good. And that's why I think that, you know, going forward, maybe we should just let them be independent, but Minnesota United, I think it would be a great idea if they, you know, brought like made their own women's soccer team and put it in the NWSL. Um, I think they're a great team that should do it. There's a bunch of other great teams for that, but just like not the kind like Kansas City, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because we've also seen that in England as well, where, you know, some big six teams like I think it was like Arsenal uh, or Liverpool, especially were not investing the right amount of money Manchester in United Manchester United that's as well. how Casey Stoney left and that there's like this whole thing that happened yeah um on the flip side of that you then have like the Portland Thorns or Leon or Chelsea even where Manchester City sure where it, it, it's actually a positive that uh these men's teams are supporting the women's teams because when you have like all the resources the men's teams have they can actually elevate the women's teams the way that they should so are you saying that you'd be in support of stuff like that across the league like i I don't think angel city is affiliated with lafc so no they're they're doing fine but yeah for the for these other markets i'm hearing that you would be in support of that it depends on like which team it is like don't ever do anything with sporting kansas city because they're not gonna like it Well, how are like the Houston Dash and Orlando Pride uh, compared to their men's counterparts? Are, are they still doing pretty good? Um, I know Orlando was just recently purchased, I think, okay, by yeah. someone else. I think I saw that. And then didn't they also go through one yeah, yeah. changes too? Yeah, Houston and Orlando recently got bought just this past season, like both yeah. men's and women's teams. I think they're doing fine. I don't know anything about this, the terms of like, how are they doing like with the counterpart? But in terms of like just looking at it on paper, I think it's a, it's another good example of how to do that. All right. Well, Jack, why don't you uh, give us a little bit about where NWSL should expand to next? How about that? Yeah, well, we've talked about that a little bit with like uh, talking a little bit about Minnesota, how it would be awesome to have an NWSL team here. I agree with that. I would love to see NWSL soccer come to uh, Minnesota, but where do you think would be some good ideas for NWSL to expand to next? Uh, there like, is only one yeah. right answer. All right. And it's a country, not a city. Okay. And that is okay. Canada. Wow. 
Nice. Especially with the success of the Canadian soccer team for the Olympics this year. It has proven to show that you need to invest in Canadian soccer. They don't have a women's professional league there. And one thing that I think of right away is all the men's professional leagues that have teams in Canada. That's basically every single one. The NHL, MLB, MLS, um, NFL doesn't have that, but I don't like football. So who, who cares, right? <laughs> all right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, you know, like with the MLB, you have the Toronto Blue Jays and they used to have the Montreal Expos. And then in the MLS, you know, Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal again. And it's just like, they know how to do it. Follow that example. The NHL also, like so many different teams in Canada. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of three cities were the next um, expansion team, Montreal, Vancouver, or Toronto. Maybe there's other cities too that I'm not aware of that would be like great for that. Um, But we need to go to Canada and we need to go now. Same for the WNBA. Um, And then for American cities, Milwaukee, that would be my answer. Or bring back the Boston Breakers. All right, Boston Breakers. How about uh, the Utah Royals? Would you see uh, a Utah expansion team working again? I've seen like tweets from JJ Watt when that whole thing was happening, yeah, like right. him, like thinking about you know doing something there. I don't know. I don't know if the the Royals' relationship with Real Salt Lake was any good. I know they had their own issues, like coaching issues and front office issues. So I don't know if going back to Utah would be the greatest idea in the world right now. Um, but like Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, uh, Minneapolis, there needs to be more teams in this area of the country. Oh yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. Cause like Chicago was on its own and then Louisville and Kansas city came in. I'm, I really want a Milwaukee Chicago rivalry and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they have the market for that in Milwaukee. So it just depends like what kind of sports market is there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like, what if they put a team in green Bay, like a women's soccer team in green Bay, yeah. you know, like with, yeah. that would be kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I it's know, work- that's just my thoughts. Yeah. It's working for Louisville. So obviously you could put NWL teams where there's no MLS team, or it's not like a big Metro area. You could look towards like, I guess, Atlanta because, you know, supporting Atlanta United to supporting an Atlanta NWL team could work. But yeah, Louisville, Milwaukee, North Carolina is kind of like that where it's not the biggest metro area. But yeah, it's in like you know. Cary, North Carolina. Who yeah, wants exactly. to go there? <laughs> no one. I, but they're doing pretty well. Like their attendance numbers are decent. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much in support of more. Midwest NWSL teams yes. like in Indianapolis. Would you be down with that? Um, I don't know. I'm not like the biggest fan of Indiana. Like I think Indiana is so and, yeah. lame. Yeah. yeah I almost like, went to school in Indiana. Like okay. I almost went to IU Bloomington, but I'm at community oh. college right now. So it's kind of like, I, I don't know. Indiana is so boring. They don't deserve one, you know, like <laughs> a Wisconsin right. or a Minnesota final answer. All right. Well, we do have listeners from Indiana, so they're going to be quite mad at you. That's too bad for them. Like, (laughs) I'm in Chicago or or Chicago suburbs. Like, what do you want me to say? Oh, I love Indiana so much. No. No. I'm Uh, never going to say that. (laughs) uh, Well, (laughs) that's pretty funny. 
Uh, speaking of Chicago, the last question we got for you, we like to ask uh, some predictions from our guests based on uh, their favorite team. Obviously, you support the Chicago Red Stars. They're going to be going to uh, New York, New Jersey to play Gotham FC uh, in this uh, upcoming weekend. So who do you think is going to win that? Can we get a scoreline prediction from you? I'm Will thinking, Chicago win? I'm thinking it's going to be 2-1 um, with a goal by Mal Pugh, maybe in like the first half and then like a second half goal from um, Sarah Wolmo. She scored twice last game for Chicago. I'm thinking she's going to keep that streak going. And then for Gotham, who's going to score for Gotham? Who's like, I would say Midge Purse, but she's injured. Like she's my favorite player on that team who also was snubbed from the U S women's national team. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be an own goal from Chicago. (laughs) The return of the own goal, but going to bite Chicago in the ass for that one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. It might not be any Gotham player because looking at their uh, current record, they're not doing too hot. Uh, They were. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. Ever since like that whole Alyssa LaHue thing, like they've been been going downhill. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Jack, are you also on the Chicago Red Stars train? Like, who are you supporting here? Yeah, I'm going with the Red Stars as well. We we got to represent the Midwest here. That we got to hold it down for the Midwest and Midwest solidarity. Uh, yeah, of course. And also, just looking at Gotham's recent record, um, yeah, I, I think no matter what, I'd have to go with Chicago. I'll, I'll say like, I'll say two to two nil, two nil. Okay. Yeah, I'll be confident in in a clean sheet. I guess <laughs> I'll be contrarian. I'll go with the zero zero draw just because I think that's uh, I, I think that's what we all deserve if we're going to be excited about this match. So we all deserve. No, we deserve a Red Stars win against yeah. Gotham who just stole our assistant coach. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, Gianna, thank you so much for joining us and talking about NW cells, some U.S. women's national team and more particularly the future of women's soccer here in America and Canada. Uh, do you have any plugs on Twitter or any uh, links that you'd like I to do. share? Yeah. All right. Well, go ahead then. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. It's the same at it's at WSM podcast. And then on Instagram, you can follow me at women's sports matter. I have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to start up again. It's called the women's sports matter podcast. Um, subscribe to my podcast. It's just women's sports matter and it's available wherever you find your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, we're also going to include those links down below. Gianna, thank you again for joining us. It was so much fun. Like I I love doing this kind of stuff because I never get to talk about women's soccer, except when I sit by myself or when I'm interviewing someone. So this was so much fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you back. Again, thanks to Gianna for coming on the show. It was awesome to have them on here. Really great conversations about women's soccer, about how we can expand it and how we can work through some of the difficulties that have been going on in the league. But it, uh, AJ and I, we've wanted to do an episode like this for a while, and we're so glad that we finally got someone to come on here that knows a lot more about it than either of us do, which was yeah. super awesome. So again, we're going to have Gianna's links in the description of this podcast. So make sure to check them out. Yeah. 
And Jack, where can people check out our links to our Twitter account? Like, what? Where can they find that? Yeah, well, it's at Final Third Show uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, but mainly on Twitter. Yes. Uh, check it out on there. And also, we're going to hope this works out uh, for next Sunday. We're going to try and live stream the U.S. men's national team versus Canada game. We'll see how it works because it got a little bit choppy the last few times we've tried live live streaming, but hopefully it'll work out better this time. And, uh, you know, follow, follow us on Twitter for more information on that, on everything else from the U.S. men's national team, women's national team, any other team. Check it out. Yeah. And also follow us on whatever podcasting platform to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, what have you. Apple Podcasts, if you leave us a review, we'll read it out. We read out all five star reviews. So go ahead and do that. Tell a friend that you like the show. Tell your dad that you like the show because I'm sure he'd love to hear about the NWSL. We'll see you guys back here again on Monday for our news and predictions episode. Really looking forward to that. We're going to be going over the crazy transfer window, especially the transfer deadline day that happened right as we're talking. Don't even know what's what's happening there. (laughs) And we're going to see you guys next Thursday for our deep dive episode. Same time, same place. Potentially a UEFA Champions League preview. We'll see you guys then. See ya. Bye for now.